we like to invite your attention. We're going to go straight into this word. Amen. We're going to go straight into this word. We'd like to invite your attention and to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 28. Chapter number 28. We pray now, Heavenly Father, that you just take us and use us for your glory. We speak divine, your word, in this place. And we just glorify you for it, God. Help us, Lord God, to receive. We bind up any and everything that's not like you. But God, we just pray for the opening of every spiritual ear. That they may hear what the Spirit has to say. This we ask in your Son Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 28. We want This morning we want to talk about the threshing floor. The threshing floor. Last week... The Lord uh, had given me this, and I had made mention of this on Wednesday night. The Lord dropped this in my spirit as I was praying. And uh, when I heard it, I immediately stopped praying because I said, okay, Lord, there's something you want us to know. There's something you want me to hear. And so we're going to begin, uh, like I said, in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 28. First thing we want to know is what is a threshing floor? What is a threshing floor? And what does it symbolize? It's, it's ironic, it's kind of comical, because when I made mention of the thrashing floor to, to, to the media team in the back, and uh, I used the word, and they um, uh, um, I almost said Minister uh, uh, Najee, <laughs> amen, uh, he said, uh, what is that? What is the threshing? He said, you're going to have to show me that in the scripture. I said, well, you will, you'll get it in, in the scripture. So uh, what is a threshing floor? What does it symbolize? The threshing floor symbolizes a place of separation, a place of sanctification, a place of revelation, and a place of worship. It symbolizes a place of separation. You'll understand all of this in a moment. It symbolizes a place of sanctification, a place of revelation, and also a place of worship. Now, in the biblical days, they, had, they didn't have any kind of machinery. So after the harvest, the grain was separated from the straw and the hulks of what we say in the scripture that say shaft. Now, we all have some straw and we have some husk. And I call the straw and the husk that we have excess baggage. We all have some excess baggage. But there's a process. There's a process before we enter in into the threshing floor. There's a process that we go through. There's a process. Now, I'm sure quite many of you that, that does do any type of farming or gardening, you probably know a whole lot more. But in this process, the first thing in this process before we get to the thrashing floor is what we call the plowing, the plowing. Now, the plowing is a field, it's, it's, a soil, it's the soil of your heart when we get ready to plow. It's that plowing, you're going to plow the field. The field is the soil of your heart. Now, when it talks about plowing, when we think about plowing, it goes deeper down into the soil, the plow. And its purpose in plowing is to loosen the soil of your heart. You want to loosen the soil of your heart, okay? And then there's this thing that you also call, they call it um, harrowing. But what we want to do, we want to read Isaiah chapter 28, beginning with verse number 23, before we go to the book of Hosea. Now, Isaiah chapter number 28, looking at verse number 23. These are instructions that we need to have, or as God is speaking to Isaiah, he says, verse number 23, he says, give ye ear. That's the first thing you have to do in order to receive what God is saying today. He said, give ye your ear. Give ye ear. Give ye ear. <laughs> your spiritual ear, not your natural ear, because your natural ear 
will shut things down, but it's your spiritual ear we want to use today. And then he says, and hear my voice. Hear my voice. Then he says, hearken. And then he says, and hear my speech. Give me your ear. Lend me your ear. Hear my voice. Because, see, he says, hear my voice, and then he says, hearken, which means to listen. Do we not know, the latter part, and hear my speech. Do we not know that we can hear a voice and still, oh, Holy Spirit, and still not receive the message? You can hear the voice. You can hear my voice. And you still cannot receive the message, or you may decide not to hear the message. Because of different reasoning that we may have. Because one thing we never want to do is hear the voice and not receive the message. Because the most important thing is not the voice. The most important thing is the message. Can we get an amen? Amen. So many people shut down because they don't want to hear the message. But when they hear the voice then automatically they shut their spiritual ear, and then they don't want to hear the message. Well, we, that's not where we want to be today. Then he says, hearken. Hearken is listening. Then he says, hear my speech. The speech is the message, okay? He says, do that. Now, in verse number 24 in Isaiah chapter number 28, because we're going to get to that thrashing floor. Now, verse 24 says, Doeth the plowman plow all day to sow? Hmm. Doeth he open and break the cards of his ground? Doeth the plowman, do he plow all day to sow? No, he doesn't plow, plow all day. No farmer is plowing the field all day long, Okay. To sow, because he's going to sow some seed there. And then he says, doeth he open and break the clods of his ground. Now, we're going to deal with these clods in, in a minute. But keep your place in Isaiah chapter number 28. You've got to follow me, because this, this is some good stuff here this morning. Let's go to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter number 10. Don't, just going to teach this morning. Just going to be just teaching so we can be able to hear. Amen. Amen. God has already prepared the meal. It's up to us whether or not we want to eat it or not. Amen. Hosea chapter number 10. Amen. Looking at verse number 12. Verse 12 says in Hosea chapter, I'm sorry, chapter number 10, verse number 12. It says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. When you sow to yourselves righteousness, then it says you're going to do what? Reaping mercy. Then he says, break up your fallow ground, for it is, it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. He says, break up that fallow ground. That fallow ground now is that unattended ground, come at your heart, the places in the heart that you have not yet dealt with. Break up. The fallow ground. There's some things you have to break up when it comes down to the fallow ground. Now, going back to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 28. Remember now we talked about the clods uh, of his ground in verse number 24. Now, when we're talking about plowing, there's a couple of things there that we have to deal with. Now, he talks about uh, the fallow ground. He talks about plowing, but he talks about also this thing called harrowing. In plow, you have plowing. Whenever you're going to break up the, the saw of your heart, you're going to plow. But there's another thing that is called harrowing. That is the levering, is the process of crushing big lumps of soil. Harrowing is, is crushing the big lumps of soil. Remember now, your heart is the soil, okay? He wants us to break that up. All right, now, when you're talking about 
uh, plowing the ground, you got to plow your heart repeatedly. And the reason why is because you're trying to break up all those clods, that those lumps of earth that's within you in order for you to be able to receive new seed. Okay? All right. Did we get that? Did we, did we get that? So you've got to break up the clods, the lumps that's within your heart. You've got to break this up. And that's in the, the soil is the soil of your heart. All right? Now, Let's look at some of these clods it's speaking of because you want to loose it because they are, they are large, okay? you got to loose that. Once you loose those lumps that's within your heart, because you, see, you are the earth. You've got to loosen the things in order to receive the new seed. Now, let's talk about some lumps that we have within our hearts because we're talking about the threshing floor. This is part of the process before we get there. The plowing, the hiring, we, we have to deal with that first. But once you plow, there are some lumps there. In order for you to get that ground smooth, uh, you've got to deal with them lumps. We all got lumps within our hearts, okay? Now let's call out some lumps. Some lumps that we have that will prevent us from receiving the seed or the word of God, or the message of God, or the speech of God, one of the first things that lump is, is unforgiveness. So you, when you're plowing, you got those, those cards there, those lumps. Those, that lump represents the unforgiveness that we may carry in our hearts, okay? The next thing that lump can represent that's within your heart, and the reason why you've got to plow it, you've got to go deep to get. Some things in us, you've got to go deep to get, right? Some things are surface, amen? Now, you've got to plow up or use that thing, that, that, thing, that apparatus, that instrument for hiring that smooths off the surface of your heart. You've got to pull them lumps up that's on the inside of you. One other thing that is you've got hatred or you may have anger, in your heart. So you've got to use these instruments. And the instruments that God is telling us to use is the word of God. That's why a whole lot of people don't like to get into the word. Because, see, the word is a mirror. It only reflects who you. It doesn't look, look around and when the word's going forth. It's not hitting everybody else and skipping you. Okay? That when we look into that word, that's why a lot of people don't like to study the word. That's a lot of people don't like to even get down and meditate and hear what God's word say. It's because it disturbs some of those lumps called hatred, caused anger on the inside of, can we get an amen? Amen. And another thing that's, that's there within our hearts, you got envy and jealousy. That's a lump. That's a clock. So you got, so the word has got to plow up in us in order for us to get to that threshing floor. And you'll see what's going to happen with that threshing floor, okay? So not only some of those lumps represent envy and jealousy, but it also represents lust and pride. See, that's got to be, that's got to be pulled up out of your heart. It's got, you got to plow that mess up. You know, because, see, we're walking around with, with lust. And lust comes in so many ways. We always think about with somebody, some man lusting after the woman. No, you can lust after what somebody else has. You, you, you can lust not on a materialistic way, but you can lust about how somebody is that they, oh, Holy Spirit, I hear about their anointing. You can lust because you see God operating. And see, then pride. We got some prideful church folk. So you, that, that stuff got to be plowed up out of your heart. See, that's, that's a card. That, that's a lump. So you got to get that lump up out of there. So, see, that's a prep. Oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. There is preparation work that has to be done in our hearts. Amen. We holler, oh, Jesus, come on back, come on back. But really, because the Bible talks about woe to that day. When you talking about that day coming, you know, he says, do you really want that day to come? Because, see, what we think we are ready, it may not be what God thinks. And that's why we have to continue to, to work on ourselves, get rid of some, 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 some lumps, you know, in us. Now, disobedience is a lump, okay? 
So we got to get rid of that. This, somebody said, well, I'm not disobedient. How many folks up in here got hard heads? Thank you, sister. You're all one being honest. The rest of them claim they ain't got no hard head. Yeah, disobedience brings a hard head. And we have hard heads. Amen, lights. Because church folks are notorious for lying. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Now, now, okay. All right, we're going to go with the word. Now, okay, now let's look at, let's look at some stuff, interesting stuff. Now, in Isaiah chapter number 28, we're going to begin reading now in verse number 25, okay? Verse number 25. It says, when he hath made plain the face thereof, talking about the plowman, doeth he not cast abroad the finches and scatter the cumin and cast in the pressable wheat and the appointed barley and the rye in their place? Hmm. Now, found something to be interesting. Interesting. That word there, fitches, fitches, in verse number twenty-five. When I looked it up in the Hebrew, you never, you'll never be able to guess what it actually means. It meant polecat. In the Hebrew, that word fitches there means polecat. I said, God, what are you talking about, polecat? He says, now, the reason why you had to cast is because he says you cast it abroad. The, you cast abroad the finches, okay? And that the, the old-fashioned term is polecat. I'm like, God, what is that? What is that I got to cast away? He said, the smell of sin. How many of us smell like sin? So he said, you got to cast that away. The smell of sin. And then he talked about, he talks about you got to scatter the cumin. I said, okay, God, I, 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 I dealt with that. I said, God, come on, what, what are you saying here about this cumin? What is this? Of course it's a spice, but what God says is he said you got to, you got to scatter that bitterness that we have in, the, in our hearts. See, some of us got some bitterness in us. Oh, everybody's just soft and good and sweet and don't have no bitterness. You let your enemy walk up to you, especially if somebody done something to you. And if you have not corrected that through the word of God, that thing, that bitterness will rise right on up. It will, it will rise right on up. Amen. So, so he says now we have to make sure we cast away, we've got to cast away uh, the bitterness and that smell of sin in us, because it's there, all right? Now, watch verse number 26 in Isaiah chapter number 28. And we're going somewhere with this. Now, verse 26 says, For his God doeth instruct him to discretion, and doeth teach him. Watch how God teaches us for us to be able to get out of that smell of sin and that bitterness. Verse number 27. Verse 27 says, for the finches, which is the smell of sin, that polecat smell, are not threshed with a threshing instrument. Neither is a cartwheel turned about upon the cumin. But watch this latter part. But the finches, which is the smell of sin, are what? Beaten well. So God got to beat. The smell of sin out of us. Beat. That's what the word said. He said, but the finches, that's that smell of sin, that polecat smell. Y'all ever ran over a polecat? You're going to go driving down the road and you smell polecat. And that, 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 that smell is strong, ain't it? Then watch what he says. But the finches are beaten out with a, okay, with a staff. Okay? He beats that out of us. And then he says, and the cumin, which is that bitterness, how does he beat it with what? He beat it with a rod. So we wonder why we're being beat. Huh. We've we, we got some things in us that God has to beat out of us. Amen. He said, I'm going to take my rod of correction. And, I, and the, you know, I, I, I got tickled someone was talking with someone the other day, and they said to me, 
So, you know, the, the rod, his rod and his staff, it comforts us. Yeah, a beating is comfort. Did y'all catch that? We Sometimes we feel like, oh, God, what are you doing to us? But, but I thought your word said you're supposed to comfort. Yeah, comforting is beating with the staff and the rod. It, that, that, that's God's word. He said, now, I'm going to take that cumin. I'm going to use a rod on you to beat that bitterness out of you. And then that smell of sin, I'm going to use my staff. You know, that, that's, when you have that smell of sin, we talk about that staff. See, they, they had this thing you, uh, Moses no had, the, the, this staff they walked with, and it got a little hook on it. And when the sheep get out of line, he put that hook around that neck and pull you back in. See, sin will lead you someplace, but God will throw out his staff and bring you back. So he said, this is what I'm going to have to do. This is what, he said, I'm not going to put you in a threshing because you're not ready yet. So some things has to take place before that happens, okay? Now, let's go now to First Chronicles, chapter number 21. Won't be before you long, but you're going to eat a good meal before you leave. First Chronicles, chapter number 21. First Chronicles, chapter number 21. Because we're dealing with that, that process. We deal with those lumps, those, those things of unforgiveness, anger, uh, 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 aggravation, and frustration, and uh, jealousy, and envy, and pride. See, all those things got to come out of us. Got, and God got to use a rod to beat. Oh, some of us are hard-headed, really hard-headed. And some folk beating is a lot more than others because they, they refuse to yield to the Lord. Amen. All right, now, we're talking about the threshing floor. We're talking about the threshing floor. Now, First Chronicles chapter number 21. First Chronicles chapter number 21. Now, this is quite interesting. First Chronicles chapter number 21. Now, looking at verse number 1, we're going to use David. And let us see an example of the threshing floor and what we all have to do. Because remember now, the threshing floor is a place of sanctification. It's a place of separation. It's a place of revelation. And it is a place of worship. So those are the four things you're going to look for in this text and in our own personal lives. Now, First Chronicles chapter number 21, looking at verse number 1, verse number 1. Verse number one says, and Satan stood up against Israel and he provoked David to number Israel. Satan provoked him, not God. Satan, and this text it says Satan, and another one is, is beginning to use about the word of God. But here Satan provoked him to begin to number the people. You know how it is. Uh, my church is bigger than your church. We got a certain amount of people. You would think as a shepherd that would be something great and wonderful to be proud of, right? But, see, it's one thing to have them. It's another thing to number them. Because, see, God is in charge. God adds, God multiplies, and he subtracts. God does whatever he wants to. But he's provoked. And the reason why he's provoked and, and the reason why he numbers uh, and counts the people is because David, as much as we love David and we lift him up, David had a pride problem. David had a pride problem. See, we all know whether or not we got a pride problem, right? And some of y'all don't act like you got, you know you got a pride problem. You know you got a pride problem because the Bible tells us that, you know, that, that, that you know, uh, uh, before fall, pride coming. So if we're doing a lot of falling, that means somewhere there's some pride going on, according to the Scripture. Amen. Now, looking at verse number 2, verse number 2 says, and watch his pride problem. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, go number Israel from Bathsheba. Now, Bathsheba is a place of agreement. Then he says, even to Dan. Now, Dan is a place of judgment. Okay? He said, go number. And then he said, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. Well, why he want to know all that for? That wasn't even necessary. 
He's the king. He doesn't need to be knowing how many folk he's got under his ring. But he had a pride problem. You'll see what the word says here. Now, verse number 3 in First Chronicles chapter number 21 says, And Joab answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But, my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doeth my Lord require this thing? Catch the next verse, the latter part of this verse. Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? So Joab is saying to David, why are you going to be a trespass to the people? Why are, you going to be a, why are you going to be a trespass by counting these people? Okay? Now watch something. What is that word? What does the word trespass there mean? Because he's saying, Joab says to him, now why are you going to be a trespass to the people? Now that word trespass right there means an offense. But by what he was doing or what he had told them to do, it had became an offense. That's what Joab said to him. Why are you doing this offense? Why are you doing this offense? And see, an offense is a sin. Anybody got any offenses against anybody? We can be real. Or do I need to step? Anybody got any offense? Got some oats. Unresolved oats. Unresolved oats. What I don't understand, how can we say, well, as long as they way over yonder, we're all right. Well, what happens if they come close to you? See, that will tell the story whether or not you still got that offense or not. And let me waken you folk up that about this offense. You know what an offense is? An offense is a sin. All of us non-sinning folk, if you've got an offense against somebody, it's sin if you don't have it resolved. Watch the word. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Watch the word. Help me, Holy Spirit, get through this. Boy, Matthew. Matthew chapter number 18. Now, you keep your place in Chronicles because we're not done. Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18. And we are going to look at verse number 7. St. Matthew. St. Matthew chapter 18, verse number hmm, 7. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 7. Okay, here we go. Are we, are we there? It says, Matthew chapter 18, verse number 7. What's that first word that it says in verse number 7? Woe. Now, the Greek meaning of the word woe means grief. It says, grief unto the world because of offenses. See, David had done an offense by the action that he did. Then it says, For it must needs be that offenses come. They're going to come. But watch the latter part. But he says, but woe, grief to that man by whom the offense cometh. So if if you wanted to bring in an offense, God said, woe unto you. So that's why it's so important that we get all that cleared up if we got an offense against somebody. Because God said, woe to you <laughs> if you, com- you have these unresolved offenses and you know you got the unresolved offenses and you don't get it cleared up. God says, woe, woe unto you. So you have to be careful when it comes down to offenses. Amen. Because he says, woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. You know, if you're the one that's bringing forth that offense against somebody else, God said, woe to you. Woe, woe to you. All right? Now, let's go back now. Let's go back to First Chronicles. Going back to First Chronicles. All right? Now, remember now, what David had done was a trespass. It was an offense. It was a sin. 
just by numbering the amount of people that he had under his care. Now, verse number seven. Watch what verse number seven. This is God's response by what he did. Okay? Now, verse number seven says, and God was what? Displeased. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse seven. And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he smote Israel. Now, Israel wasn't the one that did the numbering. It was the king that did the numbering. But he smokes. He's, in other words, he's smitten the people. He deals with the people. He didn't deal with David right then. He dealt with the people because of what he did. Now, watch what David says now in verse number, number 8. He says, And David said unto God, this is how you know an offense is a sin. And David said unto God, I have done what? Sin. How long much? Greatly. Because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee. Watch David. David, David he's prideful, but he's also crafty. He says, now he's begging God. He said, I beseech thee, I beg thee, do away the iniquity, which is sin, of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. When he came to the understanding that what he had done, it was foolish. He realized he was sinning. When he began to number the people and the results of God's wrath, came upon the people. That's why you got to be very careful about what you're doing. You got to be very careful. Now, verse number 9, 1 Chronicles chapter number 9. We're getting closer to dealing with the stretching forward. Now, verse number 9 says, And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Now, Gad means uh, a dispenser of good fortune. The Lord speaks now. He speaks to Gad, one that dispenses, dispenses good fortune. Now, verse number 10, watch God, watch that, watch this. Verse number 10, he says, go and tell David, the dispenser of, of good fortune. He said, go and tell David, saying, thus saith the Lord, hmm, I offer thee three things, choose thee, one of them that I may do it unto thee. Now, when David got through doing what he was doing, and God sends Gad, which is the dispenser of, of good fortune, then God sends him a message. That's why you, you just can't hear the voice. You got to hear the message, too. Because in that message is God is delivering that message so you can make a choice, okay? He tells, he said, I offer thee three things. Offer. He didn't say, I command these, I'm going to command these three things. He said, I offer thee these three things, and then you got to make a choice. I wonder how many times we've been in David's place. Watch, watch, watch the word, watch the word. Verse number 11, verse number 11. It says, so Gad, which is the dispenser of good fortune, he came to David and said unto him, thus saith the Lord, choose thee. How many times do you know God will bring us some situations in our life and say, you, you got to make a choice on which one you're going to have coming along in your life? Because he still does that. He doesn't change. All right? Now, watch verse number 12. Watch verse 12. In 1 Chronicles chapter number 21. Verse 12 says, now, okay, here are the offers that God offers up to David, the, the beloved. Now, he says, either three years, here's, here are the choices. Either three years of famine and lack, or three months to be to be destroyed before thy foes. That word foes that means your enemy. While that the sword of thine enemies overtake thee, and then he says, or else three days the sword of the Lord. Even the pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now, therefore, advise thyself 
what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. Now, God has sent Gad, his first of good fortune. And he says now, he said, listen, these are your choices. You can have three years of famine or you can have three months. Isn't it interesting? It's three years of famine is, is the most. It seems to appear that it might be the least. But then he talks about three months of your enemy whooping your tail. You can have that. Or he says, now, you can have three days. You can have, you can have three days using the sword of the Lord. It's your choice. Your choice. Your choice. He said, David, this is your choice. Whoa, whoa, what do you want, David? So now, since you messed this thing up and you numbered the people and they all were under your care, now I got to deal with you. He says, now I've got to deal with you and I've got to give you some choices here. Now watch <laughs> verse number 13. 13, 1 Chronicles chapter 1. Did I tell you David was prideful? He was crafty. He was cunning. He was a smooth operator. And he knew God. He knew God. Watch verse 13. It said, and David said unto Gad. Remember now, Gad is the dispenser of good fortune. He says, and David said to Gad, I am in a what? A straight. Verse, we're talking about verse number 13. He said, David says, I'm a, I am in a great strait. Anybody been in a situation and a condition in your life? You're caught between a rock and a hard place. Now, you got to analyze how we got there between the rock and the hard place. It's no longer skipping through the tulips. There's a reason why we are between a rock and a hard place now. He says, put my scripture back up, baby. He says now, he said, now he says, I am in a great strait. Let, watch, I'll tell you, he's a smooth operator. Let me fall now into the hands of the Lord. Now, David ain't crazy because people will not show you no mercy. He says, now, let me fall into the hands of the Lord for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. You know, man is a fool. Man is not going to show you no mercy no kind of way. Man will look at you and say, that's the way you're going to be for the rest of your life. There is no mercy when it comes by for man. But one thing David recognized about God, the God that he served, he knew that he was a God of mercy. If we didn't have God on our side and have the mercy of God, I don't even know where we would be. Because he says in his word that his mercies are new every day. Yesterday's mercy is not good enough for today's. His, his mercy is new every day. So David is saying, this, listen, whatever the situation you may be in, what you may have encountered, he said, this is what I want you to do. You need to call on God and beg for his mercy. Because you've got to have enough sense to fall. You want to fall in the hands of a merciful God. He said, don't let me fall in the hand of man. Don't let me fall. Because man will chew you up and spit you out. And when they get through spitting you out, then they will step on you. That's man. That's how man, that's how man will do. This is how man will do. And then verse number 14 says, verse number 14 says, uh, so the Lord, watch this, he begs for the four to fall. He said, now in the hands of the Lord. Verse 14 says, so the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel. And there fell of Israel 70,000 men, 70,000 innocent people by one man's decision. So you have to be careful in the decisions that we make because the decisions that we make affects others. The decision that, that, that David made it caused 70,000 men to die. Fail means to die. 
70,000, 70,000 men. And then verse 15 says, And God sent an angel to Jerusalem. Jerusalem means peace. To destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Arnan the Jebusite. David now is at the threshing floor. And he sees. See, some things had to happen. They had, he had to get, some things in him had to be separated. He had to be sanctified. He receives a revelation. What revelation did he receive? He received, if I fall into the hands of the Lord, the God going to show me mercy. I can't trust man. But then he talks about how the, it says, the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan. Now, Ornan is a, mean, a joyful cry, a place of rejoicing. Something happens, something happens when we are there on that threshing floor. Because, see, that's when that grain is separated. All that, you remember we talked about the husk? And, uh, and we talk about those things that blow up in the air, the husk, those things that we don't need. Then they are separated from the grain, that which is good. Those things that's in us, that's not good. See, the, 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 um, the straw and the husk. That straw and husk mean that sin in our life. So it goes up. It's separated in, 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 at that threshing floor. But remember now, the way some things come out of us, it's got to be beat. So when you're there on that threshing floor, God, and right now we're all in that place of the threshing floor. That means you're getting some stuff beat out of you. Anybody been getting stuff beat out of them lately? <laughs> Amen. Because God knows, whether we admit it or not, God knows what's in us. And therefore, he knows what has to be beaten out of us because he is soon to return. And we've got to be ready when he comes. Because he's looking for a church without spot or wrinkle. So right now, it's better to take the beating. That's what he said. Take the beating. Take the beat, take the beating, <laughs> so you can be with the, the soon coming king. You got to take the beating, and see, it's that place also signifies at this place a place of judgment, because God judged. He judged David. God is going to judge us as well. So I'd rather be beaten on this side of eternity then be beaten on the other side of eternity. Because, see, if you don't have it right on, on this side, you'll never make it to the other side of eternity. You'll be at the judgment seat. That's what that is. So we all need to be, be say, it's okay, God. I'm, I'm at that threshing floor. We, folk are going through stuff, and they don't know why they're going through. It's because they're on the threshing floor. Got to get some stuff beat out. Got to take that staff and, and reel us back in because some of us moved away from God. See, some, sometimes God had to break out. You know how he does a sheep when the man and the sheep went astray? Before he put him on his shoulder, he broke his leg. There's a whole lot of breaking going on. There's a a whole lot of breaking going on. Because why? Because the sheep didn't go astray. When you look at the body of Christ, the sheep and the body of Christ have gone astray. Now, sheep are supposed to move forward. We are the most compromising sheep I've ever seen. We compromise with wrong. Well, you know, I'm just flesh. No. But the Bible got an answer for our flesh. Or decisions that the world make. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Decisions that the world make, we come into agreement with it. 
We said, well, no, I don't come in agreement. I'm against that. But are you speaking out against it? Is your voice being, thank you, Holy Spirit, is your message being heard by the word of God? Are you telling anybody what the word is saying, what the message of God is saying? Are we still being silent? See, we got to, you know, we got to, we have to speak truth. The truth in love is what the Bible says. Got to speak truth in love. You got to speak truth in love. Let me hear it. Let me hear it along. Now, he's standing by the angel. God knows when it's enough in our lives. We will go through some stuff and go through some stuff. And then finally, God will speak and say, that's enough. He'll say, that's enough. That's enough. Because then he knows that we're about to be, we are about to cave under the pressure. We're about to cave under. And then God will speak and he will carry us. Now, let's go to our last, last few verses here. Let's look at now verse number 17. Acknowledgement. Taking responsibility. Watch what David does. Verse number 17. First Chronicles chapter number 21. Verse 17 says, and David said unto God, here come the confession. David said unto God, is it not who I, is it not, let me read, come over here, Let's, let us read this thing together. So some of us then went to sleep. First Chronicles chapter 21 verse 17 says, and David said unto God, this is confession time, is it not I, me, is it not I, that commanded the people to be numbered. Even I, it is, that have what? Sinned and done evil indeed. He's taking responsibility. Then he says, but as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be upon me, and on my father's house. And he's still stupid. Now, he's still the one that's done it, but now he's included his own household. He said, let it be upon my father's house, but not on thy people that they should be plagued. He confessed, all right. He confessed that he did it. Did anybody confess, I did it? I did it? <laughs> you know how it is in little children? You got to find who who the guilty person, and finally somebody will come forth and holler, "I did it." They missed, you know they download, "I did it." Well, whatever they did had an effect on everybody else. See, and that's what happened with David. David won against what God said, and it affected the sheep. So that's why we got to be careful up here. Carrying your carrying the gospel wherever you are, where you on do you not know you still carry the gospel while you're out on the job? While you're out on the on the marketplace? Yeah, while you're out anywhere, you're still carrying the gospel. You're still carrying the message of Jesus Christ. And if you do something differently that does not represent Christ, then according to what happened to David, the sheep was affected. Those around you. That's heavy. That's very heavy. They was David said I take he said, I'm confessing. I did this. He said, Don't do not you know, deal with the people. He said, I did this. He said, Let it be on me, not on them. Watch verse number eighteen. I don't even know if I have that up there. Verse eighteen. It says, Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad, which is the dispenser of good fortune, to say to David that David should go up, set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So in other words, he now he has to build an altar. He has to lay himself on. We know, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. We need to begin to lay ourselves on the altar to be a sacrifice. We got to be a sacrifice on that altar. And in the process of being that sacrifice, we need to we need to rejoice and we need to worship. 
We need to begin to go in a place of worship because, see, he knew he had experienced God's forgiveness. See, he had to, he had to be sanctified. He had to be, what you say, Minister Tom, set apart. See, as believers, as, as, as people of God, representatives of the Father, we are to be set apart. We don't blend in with the world. We are set apart from the world. Amen. So he, then his sanctification come, a cleansing. See, right now there's a cleansing that needs to take place in this world, that, that, a, a cleansing. And once that cleansing takes place, then God can begin to drop revelations to you. He'll drop revelations. Uh, and, and once he drops those revelations, then you can immediately go into worship. That's what he did. And this is the last verse, verse number 24. This is the last verse, verse number 24. It says, And King David said to Ornan, Nay, because see, he wanted to sell him the threshing floor. He said, Nay, but I will verily, I will buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without a cost. Now, let me tell you something. Making the wrong decision comes with a cost. See, that's what he said there. He said, even though somebody's willing to do this for me, and that's what that man was willing to do, he was willing to not sell David the threshing floor. He was willing to allow him to have it. He said, no, David comes to understand, listen, this is on me. I got to pay for it. He says, he says, now, it will not, I can't offer up a burnt offering, things before the Lord, you know, without a cost. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us even to get into eternity. It's going to cost us. What it's going to cost? It's going to cost us our life. Death. That's a cost. Jesus paid a cost. It's going to cost us something to get on the other side in eternity. Well, it's going to cost us giving up the ways of the world. It's going to cost. It's a cost to it. And nobody wants to pay the cost. Because our flesh loves stuff, right? <laughs> but we got to pay the cost if we plan on seeing Jesus on the other side. There's a cost to be paid. But we're going to have to get in that place called the threshing floor and let that separation between the grain and the shaft take place. We've got to get, away, get rid of uh, that, that shock, the straw, get, get away, all that stuff. It's got to, a sin, it got to go. It has to go in order for that pure grain to come forth. And that's what God wants us to be, pure grain. Not being contaminated with nothing of this world. The Bible says we are of this world, but not in, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And there needs to be a distinction between us and those that are living outside of the will of God. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. For that threshing floor.